You know, I'm a boy from the Berg. I was born and raised in Pittsburgh. I grew up in the same house that my dad grew up in. So that tells you how often we move around. We don't. And, you know, one thing I love about Pittsburgh that I think sets Pittsburgh off from every other city in the whole wide world are the bridges. Pittsburgh is the city of bridges. I, I don't care what Venice, Italy wants to say. We have the most bridges, the best bridges in all the world. We are Pittsburgh, home and grown, right? Ooh, ooh, okay. I bleed black and gold, can you tell? Yeah. But, you know, the structure of the bridges is fascinating to me. Because the whole point of a bridge, in its basic understanding, is to get you from one destination to another destination as you, over, as you go over some sort of obstacle. And in case you didn't know this, if you're new to Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh has some significant obstacles to overcome. We have the three rivers. The Allegheny and Monongahela that form... If you were born in Pittsburgh, Bill, you should be able to say the river names. They formed the Ohio. We'll just end it there. But the structure of the bridges are fascinating. And there's three main structures to the bridges. The first part of the bridge structure is the, the substructure. This is the foundation of the bridge. Everything is built upon this. This is what gives all the bridge its strength and its ability to withstand and hold against the weight of everything that's going across it. And then a, 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 on top of the substructure is what's known as the superstructure. This is the, the arch and the trusses and everything that builds the strength of the bridge. And you're thinking, Bill, you are so, your, your civil engineer's wisdom is so up to par. I'm thinking, I actually asked someone yesterday. They helped me out with this. So don't, don't get all like, Bill, you're so amazing because I don't, I'm not that smart. But the bridges fascinate me. They fascinate me. Because the superstructure that's built upon the substructure is what gives the, the bridge its, its identity and its strength to withstand everything it has to carry. Because within the superstructure is the deck. And the deck is that platform that gives the ability for everything to get from point A to point B. From one destination to another destination. If you guys remember a year ago, on January 28, 2022... Pittsburgh was in the news across the nation because in Frick Park, there is a bridge called the Fern Hollow Bridge that collapsed. We all remember the news, right? Do you know why that bridge collapsed? Because the superstructure failed. The substructure, the base, the foundation, the cornerstone of the bridge was good, but the superstructure failed. The conditions of the environment over time weakened the superstructure and it collapsed. It did not sustain. You know, it's crazy because a few months, a couple months before this collapse, my family and I, you know, we like to go find hiking trails around the Pittsburgh. And if you haven't been hiking in Frick Park, that probably is one of the best places to go hiking in the Pittsburgh area. Some amazing trails. And when we finished hiking through the trails, we found our way at this base right here and ended our walk across that bridge. And then when we saw the news that collapsed, we're thinking, we were standing on that bridge two months ago. And we never knew how close the end of this bridge was coming. You know, I didn't see it. I didn't know. It seemed fine to me. But then January 28th hit. 
Biblically speaking, from Genesis through Revelation, the Bible reveals something very important. You see, we all were created by God as relational beings. Everything about us is the relationships. And the reality is this, God created within the relationships as the structure that is the bridge to get us from two destinations. Over the obstacle of the separation that the world created, the bridge is the, is the, is the structure that gets us from point A, the destination of this physical, broken, beat-up world, to the ultimate destination that's in the very presence of God that's all eternity. That's the bridge, and the bridge is developed through our relationships. You see, Jesus is the substructure. He is the ultimate cornerstone on everything. Every relationship must be built on. Because when it's built on him as the cornerstone, as the substructure, it gives the strength to the superstructure. And the superstructure, what we see throughout the Bible, is the relationships of the home and the church. That, are the, that is the superstructure of relationships that God developed within our world to provide the opportunity to walk through, to provide the deck and the platform to get us from the brokenness of this world into the very presence of God. And my friends, when the superstructure fails... There's a collapse. There's a breakdown. And we don't just see that with bridges physically. We see that relationally. In how God desired it, how God created it, and how sometimes it becomes. You see, every relationship, every relationship is a path towards experiencing the presence of Jesus in our life. My friends, we cannot get around this. Relationships are foundational in every aspect of who we are. Every aspect of you is built around the relationships, and God hardwired us that way. He created us that way. And through our relationships and the development of our relationships and understanding our relationships and the roles and responsibilities of those relationships creates the superstructure from us getting from the brokenness that is this world to the ultimate eternity in the very presence of God himself. All built on the substructure that is him. You see, God's desire is to create this deck this deck that we all can move from point A to point B that's built within the strength of the superstructure, built upon the substructure, him as the cornerstone. God's desire is to build into all of our relationships, following his path as the invisible God in, the, in this visible world, as the very wisdom that gives us direction and guidance in everything that we are. But you know what? Just as God's desire is in the bridge-building life uh, component in relationships... Satan's greatest tactic is to destroy bridges. You know, if you study warfare, one of the greatest tactics in warfare is to, is to wipe out bridges. Because when you wipe out bridges in warfare, you eliminate the opportunities for that, that group of people to get from one point to their, their, to, to their desired destination. And if you can wipe out a bridge and eliminate their ability to get to their desired destination, it gives you the ability to conquer them. And so, my friends, you better believe Satan's greatest tactic 
is to eliminate bridges. In God's development of the superstructure, that is the home and the church. Because every relationship links together. Every relationship is built upon each other. Relationships are the bridge that connects us to the very presence of God. When you go all the way back to the beginning of time, God created everything that is. You can read about this in Genesis 1 and the continuing pages. And when he created everything that is, he created the sun and the stars and the moon and the skies and the, and the trees and the, and the waters and, and gave breath to life. And in so doing, then he created Adam, the very first person to ever have legs and walk on this earth. God created him. And when God created him, the Bible says he created him in the image of God. You know what that means? That means unlike every other creation that he developed, that he uh, created, we, mankind, has within ourselves this unique connection and spiritual connection with God himself. We find who we are in him. That's what the Bible says. That's what created in the image of God means. Ultimately, he is the substructure that develops everything about who we are and our existence. And then once he created the substructure, that connection between mankind and him, then he began the development of the superstructure. He created Eve. And from there he developed the home and the structure of the home and children. And then from there developed communities and churches. And the superstructure was built upon that. And the Bible says all of it, all of it, was developed on Jesus Christ as the cornerstone, the substructure. You know, as we kind of wrap up Colossians, a good sister letter to Colossians is the letter that Paul wrote to to Ephesus, Ephesians in the New Testament. And sister letter, what that means is you can kind of put these two letters side by side and see a really good parallel of Paul's mindset and direction, and they really link together. A lot of times you kind of glance at both of those to see the full picture of, and grasp of what Paul was getting to. And in Ephesians 2, 19 through 22, Paul writes these words, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and as also members of his household, built on the foundation, built on the substructure of the apostles and the, and the prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. He is the ultimate foundation. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you two are being built together to become dwelling, a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. See it? He is the substructure. He is the cornerstone of the entire foundation. And in him, in him, Paul saying, in him, everything else is built. Everything else is developed. In order for the superstructure to be strong, that provides the deck and the platform for us to go from relationally from this broken world to into the presence of God, it must be built upon a solid, strong foundation. Because if it's not, it won't even get to the building part. It will fall apart immediately. The foundation is paramount to the strength of the structure. My friends, I'm here to tell you, clearly, Jesus is the cornerstone that every relationship, everything about who we are must be built upon. 
Because if it's not, the structure won't last. The bridge will inevitably fail. Because it's impossible to understand and achieve or maintain healthy relationships without him as the, as the, as the cornerstone. Because everything that, that, that Paul built into this, into this segment of, a, of the letter, in Colossians into 3 and Colossians 4, everything he built from up to this point was built on the foundation and the bedrock of Jesus as the invisible God in the, in the reality of God in this world. That he is the wisdom image. If you remember the first week we talked about the image, what it means is wisdom. You know, he is the application of the mystery God in our life today and how we should walk and what decisions we should make, how we should interact, how we should develop our relationships, who we are. All the mystery is found in him that applies to how I live out my life. Everything is built on that. And then from there, every relationship is developed. And can I just give you a newsflash that I don't really think is a newsflash? Guys, in our world today, we're failing in relationships. We're just failing overall in the area of relationships. There is so much brokenness today. So many homes are beaten down and broken. I deal with it every single week. Every single week I'm dealing with relationships that are broken, torn apart, and beaten down. And here's the struggle. The more we try to build upon the relationships based upon our understanding or our own foundation, we just find ourselves in the same boat over and over again of just stacking brokenness upon brokenness, bad choices upon bad choices, bad attitudes upon bad attitudes. And we just find ourselves in the same place, brokenness and being beat up. You see, the strength of a relational structure, of the superstructure, is the ability for us to understand that's built on the bedrock of Jesus that understands our role our responsibilities in each relationship, which means there has to come the ability to look beyond myself. So much of the brokenness that we experience in our relationships can all be go, go back to the struggle that we all have, and that becomes internally focused. It seems like our happiness is found within us rather than beyond us. And Jesus reveals that our happiness is not in here. Our happiness is found beyond us. And it's understanding what that is. And to look beyond ourselves, it requires a level of submission. I know we don't like to talk that word. It seems like submission is like a dirty word. Don't bring that word up to me. But my friends, we will never understand or we will never fully experience healthy relationships in our life and the full ability to be a bridge that connects us to the presence of God if we do not understand the reality and the need for submission in every relationship in your life. Until you get that, you're missing out on God's greatness that he wants to bring to you in your relationships. You see, my friends, mutual submission is a prerequisite for any healthy relationship. 
without mutual submission, health to relationships is almost impossible to achieve. It just can't get there. There's always going to be a disconnect in some way. And as Paul wraps up this letter in Colossians, up to this point, like I said, everything was the development of the substructure. Our corner, as Jesus says, our cornerstone. Everything is built upon that. The image of the invisible God. The wisdom that guides all of our steps. Through him, he brings the, the sustainable happiness that we talked about the past couple of weeks. And if you missed all those messages, I encourage you to go onto a YouTube page at Impact Pittsburgh and catch up because all of this builds upon each other. You will not get this if you don't first get that. Everything builds upon this with the reality of to have a healthy relationship, to have a sustainable bridge that connects me to the very presence of God to achieve that sustainable happiness in my life for not just this world but for all eternity, to find his uh, all-encompassing peace. I need to understand submission. In his other letter in in Ephesians, Paul wrote this in 521, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Did you catch that? Why do I submit to each other? Why do I submit to my wife? Why do I submit to my children? And we'll talk about what that means in a moment. But why do I submit to my boss or, or people who may, who may report to me in the workplace? Or why do I submit to people in the community? I submit to it because of my reverence to him. Ultimately, what I realize and have to understand, everything linked together. If Jesus is my cornerstone, he is the authority in my life. And something we tend to overlook because we become so inward focused is that everything I've achieved, achieved in my life, everything I've received in my life, every good thing that has come is ultimately in some sort of way because of him. It's because of him. I did not gain anything on my own. There's nothing I have achieved or gained because of Bill. Everything at some aspect, at some level, is because of God working, not me. All good things come from him. And because of that, he is the authority. He is the authority. And I submit because I trust that he will provide. It's kind of like when I was training my dog. I'm not calling you guys dogs because I'm a dog. But you know when the grace abilities and how you train a dog is when they learn the very fundamental of the role. You see, you can't train dogs by smacking them around. That's not going to work. You know how you train them? They begin to find their trust in reverence that you are the one that provides everything for them. When my dog started realizing, if I want food, it comes from you. I don't know how, but you, every day you provide me water. You provide everything I need. And then through that bond, it develops the trust. And because of that, the dog reacts by in submission based upon that reverence. You provide everything. That's this relationship with us and God. It's realizing I don't get anything without him. And because of that, I trust him enough to then submit myself to everything else in my life. Does that make sense? It's built upon that. And with that foundation laid, it then, it then builds the foundation of every single other relationship in your life. The superstructure that gets us from point A to point B. The superstructure that gets us the ability to walk into the presence of God. In other words, God is all about my, or my vertical relationship. 
We tend to focus, try, I try to gotta fix this. I gotta find who I am in the horizontal relationships. But you'll never get these right without this. These will never be right until this is right. Once you got this smoothing and grooving, then let's build out the superstructure. That's what Paul's getting to here. Now we gotta build out the superstructure. And before we get into this portion of scripture, can we have just a little quick heart to heart? I think one of the biggest challenges we face in our world today is, and why so many of our relationships are broken, is because we've lost the ability to communicate. It's like we just come to these conclusions of, this is what you're going to say, this is what I believe, all this different stuff, and we just jump to conclusions, and we build up all these walls, and we say, forget it, I'm not going to communicate. And so often when that happens, we miss the heart, we miss something. Every one of us at some level. So, so can we just kind of start there? Can we just start there and say, Let's make a commitment to communicate, to to commit to that. You see, because every healthy relationship is developed through the healthy communication, which is the ability to listen and to share. We've lost that some today, I feel. So so can we just make a commitment? Listen, I I make a commitment to you if you'll make a commitment to me. Let's Let's just have healthy dialogue. Because we can't understand this, and we're trying to understand the mystery of God while we build walls, and we can't do that. So can we just start there? Can we just make that commitment without jumping conclusions? Let's just have a healthy dialogue. Because this is all about continuing the journey of following Jesus as the image of the invisible God, the wisdom that leads to sustainable happiness and all-encompassing peace, the joy that he provides for this world and for all eternity. This all falls in the relational structure of the, sub, of the substructure built on the cornerstone of him, developed through the superstructure in the development of the home and the church, which is all developed through the mutual ability to look beyond myself, which is submission. And from there, Paul gets right to it. He starts dealing with the structure of the home. Colossians 3, 18 through 21, Paul says this, Paul writes this, Wives, submit yourselves to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not embitter your children or they will become discouraged. He starts going through all the layers of a healthy home, building that superstructure in the house. And he starts by saying, wives, Submit to your husbands. Now, now, before you guys start throwing tomatoes at me or whatever it may be and running out the doors, can we just take a step back and just, just agree? Let's, let's talk this out. Because I think a lot of times we miss the heart and miss the reality of what's being said here. And we just jump to conclusions on both sides. So, so can we just talk it out for a moment? What, what Paul's saying here, the, the, the Greek behind this whole language, the submit part, is, is the wife is choosing her role in this relationship. She's choosing to to embrace and take on this relationship. And in so doing, she is choosing to follow her husband's lead. That's what Paul's saying. It's a choice that you make. And this is not, these words are not in any way, shape, or mourn to, to make the mindset of, let's bow down to the chauvinistic mindset of mankind. Let's women, let's all bow down to the men and follow their lead. Let's give them the power over my life. Let, let's, just, let's just do that. Nor is it an approval in any way, shape, or form of, of abuse. 
for any man that is a coward enough to use this verse to bring abuse upon his wife misses the point, and he's not a real man. And guys, I'm just going to be blunt with that because you are going against God when you do that. And ladies, ladies, I realize that some of you may be sitting here today in an abusive environment in your own home. And I'm here to tell you something that is not okay. That is not biblical. And I don't care what he told you to make you feel like it is. It's not. And you deserve better. If you are a lady stuck in that, I'm here to tell you there is hope. We are here for you. And if you are too scared, too fearful to come out and say something to someone, send us a note privately. You know, find some way. Give us some sort of signal when you walk out of this space and we will be there for you. You are not alone. You deserve better. This is not what Paul meant when he said this. This is not a biblical superstructure of a healthy home. It's not. Because the mindset here for, is I chose my husband. I trust him. As I trust God, as I want to follow him, I trust this man that I've committed to that he will lead in a way that puts me first in everything. That's what this is all about. Because in, in healthy submission is all tempered by the reality of love. There's a mutual commitment in this most intimate relationship because in marriage, it's the most intimate relationship in this world secondary to the most intimate relationship that is between us and God. It's all developed through the mutual uh, commitment to, uh, to each other of submission and love. When the Bible calls the wife to submit to her husband to lead the home, in the same breath, the Bible is also saying the husbands are to submit to their wives in full love because he leads this, his home with the absolute primary focus on the value of his wife and his home. I don't leave my home in what's best for Bill. What's this in it for me? How can I get something for myself? How can I please my own desires? That's not the biblical way. In fact, in a sister letter, Paul wrote this in Ephesians. Men are to love their wives as Jesus loved the church. Would you know how he loved the church? He died for it. He gave up everything for it. And so he says, men... Husbands, you lead your home the same way. You give up everything about you. You give up everything of who you think you want to be for what's best for your home, for what's best for your wife. That's what Paul's saying. It's a mutual commitment of love and submission. My wife submits to me to lead my home. In so doing, I submit to her by sacrificing everything about me for what's best for her. That's the mutual submission that the Bible talks about. And see, that's what, that's what marriage is all about. It's that complement of each other. And Paul even went further with husbands. Love your wives. And he said, do not be harsh to them. You lead with the focus of what's best for them. You know when he said, do not be harsh to them? 
there's a little insight. Paul was dealing with some very real cultural situations of the day. That little do not be harsh to him was this little bit of a dagger into the culture. Because at that time, in that belief, the problem was in the home, they misunderstood on God's superstructure of the home. In that day, in that culture, the men had all the rights while the wives had all the duties. And Paul was saying, uh-uh, you're missing it. Do not lead harshly towards your wives. Do not get so self-focused as you lead your home. You lead for them. That's what Paul was saying. You submit your leadership towards what's best for them. That's the structure of the marriage. The mutual submission and mutual love. And from there, Paul says, children, obey your parents. Honor your parents. You know what's fascinating in the original language? The word that Paul used there for obey is a much stronger word, Greek word, than the word he uses to to describe the wife to submit to her husband. In other words, your role in obedience to honor your parents is much more severe and much more stronger than the other way around. We have a significant role to honor our parents. And before parents, we all do the little eye check to our kids to make sure they're listening, right? This commandment never ends. It doesn't end. I don't care if you're 3, 16, 30, 50, or 80. If your parents are still around, you have a responsibility to honor them. You have a responsibility to obey them. Now, I get it. At different levels of life, it looks differently. I understand that. But we have a responsibility at the stages of life that we are in and they are in. We need to figure out what does that mean for me? How do I honor my parents now at this stage of life? What does that look like? And then Paul kind of turns the corner towards the parents. He says in this, in this verse, fathers, which can be kind of related to all of parents, but he says, you know, fathers, parents, do not embitter, nor do, should you discourage your children. You know what Paul's saying here? In some ways, we as parents quickly forget our primary role and responsibility as a parent. As a parent, our primary role and responsibility is to build our children up in him. Sadly, what tends to happen is we, in our mind, in our hearts, twist the focus away from our responsibility more towards the authority. I'm your parent. You do this. You listen to me because I said. Yeah, we, I've used that. <laughs> and when we quickly, in our hearts and our minds and in our actions towards our children, quickly forget our role and make it more about the authority than the responsibility, we're missing it. We're not building up the superstructure of the home. My role as a dad is to build my boys up. Your role as a parent is to build your children up in him. That's your role. That's your role. 
Because what tends to happen when we twist it and we make it more about the authority than the responsibility, we have a tendency just to beat them down and beat them down and beat them down and beat them down till mentally, probably inwardly, they just feel like they're never going to be good enough. They're never going to be worth it. They're never going to be right. And this has long-lasting effects on our kids when they become adults and then they begin to get into their relationships in the future. Parents, our primary role is to build our kids up in him. And I get it. It looks different every single level of their growth period. But it's our job to figure out what that looks like in our home, to build that up, to build them up in Jesus, in him. You see, for a healthy home to happen, for the superstructure to be developed in God's design and God's desire to give us the deck that connects us from this broken world to him, everyone in every relationship has a role and a responsibility that leads to that overall health. Every single one. And our job is we honor him and submit ourselves to one another out of reverence for God, that he is the authority, he is the ultimate direction. Our job is to figure out what does that mean in my roles in my life, in my relationships? How do I live this out so that I can be an active part of building the solid superstructure that's built on the subculture, sub, 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 uh, substructure and the cornerstone that is Jesus? You know, it's crazy, really quickly, as, as Paul kind of wraps up his, his talk about the, the home. It's almost like he does this 180. He's like, what in the world is this all about? And you have to understand, as Paul's writing this letter, he's writing this letter to specific people, dealing with specific stuff in their culture, and he's dealing with things that are going on. And so he deals with the home, and then he kind of starts talking about the relationship of slaves and masters. And can I just kind of, we don't have time to dig all the way into this, that segment of stuff, but just really quickly, number one, we have to understand Paul was dealing with cultural stuff going on right now. And what we view, how we view slavery today was very much of how, what slavery was back then. Slavery back then was I owe a debt or I owe someone someone, and primarily that's how I fell into slavery in some form or fashion. But it's, slavery has always been kind of the same throughout the history of, of the world of where slaves were treated very unfairly and wrongly and, and, and harsh. And as you read through the Bible, you can really start to see the reality that God nor Paul really supported slavery. They really didn't. In fact, you can read a, in another letter when Paul wrote to Philemon, who was a slave master. And he was writing specifically about his slave Onesimus. And in that letter, Paul is tell, telling Philemon, hey, this guy is, he's, one of, he, he's, he's, he's got a heart for God. He's useful for us. We, we, I need him. We kind of let him go. Is what Paul, that, the whole gist of that Paul, that letter is about. And as we read this portion of Colossians, I, it's easy to say, well, that doesn't really pertain to me. But I think there is things in there that pertain to us. Because we can really equate this to our relationships beyond the home, specifically our relationships in the workplace. Slaves can be equated to employees, and masters can be equated to bosses. And what Paul's hitting here is something very important. Because sometimes some of us walk into our Monday through Friday in our day-to-day atmosphere, and 
we just don't like our workplace. And we tend to get this bad attitude. We get grumpy. We don't like our boss. We don't like the environment. We don't like our coworkers. Let me just say, I love, the co- I love my job. love my coworkers. But we all struggle with that sometimes, don't we? And what Paul's saying here is, you know, when you're in the workplace, you're not always going to love your environment. You're not always going to love the people you work with. In fact, you may absolutely despise your boss and some of the things that that boss tells you that you have to do. But that's beyond your control. You control you. And what Paul says to, to slaves that we can equate to employees today is, when you walk into work every single day, don't let your attitude go south. When you walk into work every single day, you realize, going back to Ephesians 5.21, you submit to one another because of the reverence to Christ. I am not working for this person. I am ultimately working for him. So when I walk into my place Monday to Friday, I need to acknowledge and act and give my best in every single circumstance. Even if it's a task I don't like, I'm going to give my best. Why? Because ultimately I'm the reflection of his light in this world. And if I walk around with a bad attitude and don't give my best, it just brings everything down. But I can be his light when I give my best even when I don't always like it. And then Paul talks about bosses, masters. And he says, you guys, listen, realize your authority. Realize your lead. And when you lead, same way. You lead in a way that submits to them as you're submitting to Christ. You are not leading in a way that's what's best for you. Wow, can I kind of cut the corner so that I can get something better for my job, my work, more money in my paycheck. No, I lead with integrity. That means every single choice I make, I make for the best interest of everybody that I lead in my workplace. That's what Paul's saying. Every relationship throughout the world, we have a responsibility. And Paul ends his relationship talk with these words in Colossians 4.2. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. I think this is a very key verse as he kind of wraps it all together. A verse maybe we need to hang on a mirror at home to remind ourselves every single day. Because hear me, guys. The outcome of your relationships are a direct result of who you are committed to. What you are committed to is a direct result of the outcome of your relationships. You can't escape that. There's no way to escape that. Paul says, devote yourselves to prayer. In other words, he circles all back around as we build out the superstructure of the home and the church and every relationship that's developed from there. It all goes back to the substructure, the cornerstone, the bedrock, Jesus. Every relationship, everything is built upon that. You cannot escape it. What we build our lives on drives you, drives your motives, drives your ambitions, which leads to your ultimate outcomes that you will experience in your life and for all eternity. That's the reality of it. And we all commit to different things. We all build our lives on different things. Maybe it's our ambitions, what we want to achieve in life. Maybe it's what we feel internally, what what we should be or, or become, whatever it may be. And Paul's saying, no, no, no. Stop building your life on all those things and devote yourself to the substructure, the cornerstone that is Jesus. Everything is built from that. 
And he says, as you devote yourself to that in prayer and commitment, be watchful. In other words, don't miss the reality that while the substructure may stay strong, the superstructure can and will be affected by the environment that is in. Look at the Fern Hollow Bridge. The substructure remained, but the environment caught up to the superstructure. No one saw it. All of a sudden, just boom, it collapsed. Paul's saying, be watchful. Because if we are not careful, if we are not praying with a, being on alert with a watchful eye, the environment will get us. The environment will get us. And then he says, be thankful. Did you know all throughout Colossians in this letter, this is the seventh time that Paul says, be thankful. Over and over again, as you come through Colossians, he says, be thankful, be thankful, be thankful. It's like, I can't be thankful because the world stinks or my life stinks or my relationship stinks. But he always says, be thankful, be thankful. Why is that? Because ultimately, we realize, this is the ultimate motivator. We realize that God's got this. God is always working. It may be the worst day of my life, but if I just stop and take a step back and look around, I can still see a glimpse of him. I can still see him at work. I can still see him moving. And in my worst of days, when I did that, I still saw him. I still saw him. Every day. I promise you he's there. Sometimes we need to stop and look and see. He's working. And he wants to build up the superstructure of the relationships in your life as we follow his lead in that. That gives us the platform and the deck to walk us over the hurdle of this world into the very presence of God. Paul kind of wraps it all up with these words in Colossians 4, 5 through 6. As he says, we all have a responsibility in this. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversations be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that we may know how to answer everyone. Every relationship is an opportunity to build, a, to, to, to build a bridge towards the presence of the very presence of God. And Paul says, as you build out that superstructure, following his lead, it will develop opportunities to be his light in this world. And when those opportunities come, be full of grace, seasoned with salt, that ability to walk in love while still built on truth. And God will always provide the answer. He'll provide the direction. You know, my friends, we're all developed as relational people. And we're all seeking that sustainable happiness and joy and the ultimate presence of God in our life. It's realizing, I need to build a bridge. I need to build a bridge. And that bridge is the relationships in my life. My home, 
relationship within the church that's all built on the foundation of Jesus as the cornerstone, the ultimate authority. And in so doing, when you do that, he will walk you right into the very presence of God. And guess what? I bet there will be other people following you there too. Let's build a bridge together. Will you pray with me? Father, Lord, it's just so easy to get beat down. Lord, I know that we've been created as relationship, relational people. And it's so easy to get pulled away in every different direction. But Lord, help us to see the basics of the reality of you. That when we build our lives and our relationships on you as the authority and the wisdom and the direction, we will develop a superstructure that gives us and everybody around us a, a platform with the ability to walk over the brokenness that is this world into your presence. Lord, I just pray that you give us the ability to, to focus on that and be in you. Lord, I just want to pray specifically right now. I know there's probably some people, some homes that are represented here right now. That quite honestly, this was a challenging message because of the brokenness that they are experiencing within their relationships. Lord, I just pray right now that you give them the ability to take that first step. We don't need to solve everything today. We just need to take one more step closer to you that we may experience you more fully in our life, in our relationships. Help us just to start by building our relationship with you. And may you just guide us to building our relationship with each other that we may build a strong superstructure in our life. We praise you for who you are. It's in your name we pray. Amen.